astronauts travel to a galaxy of artificial intelligence and machine learning. The good ship InfoSight is piloted by sponsor HPE Nimble Storage as we explore automating infrastructure on today's episode. At PacketPushers.net, you can find this in all of our Datanaut shows about infrastructure engineering, or just search for Datanauts, spelled like astronauts, in your favorite podcatcher. You can follow us at Datanauts underscore show. I am Ethan Banks at EC Banks, and with me is the ever-learning Chris Wall at Chris Wall, who, it has been argued, is an example of artificial intelligence becoming sentient. Joining us from HP Nimble Storage is Ryan Brown. (laughs) Ryan, would you introduce yourself, please? Hey guys, happy to be here today. I'm the enterprise storage architect, and more recently, I have become the chief technologist for storage for Canada with uh, HPE. Woo-hoo. Hail to the chief! Congratulations! There we go. Well, Ryan, then, uh, then as chief technologist, we expect you to have all the answers. And uh, let's start with an easy one. In a sentence or two, what is InfoSight? InfoSight is our predictive cloud-based analytics platform that talks uh, historically to our nimble storage arrays and provides a great deal of value in our new machine learning and data science platform. Wow, you hit every checkbox that got, okay, that got all the marketing buzzwords. My ears are melting right now. It's amazing. (laughs) So we're going to have to go through in this show and make you prove that all of those buzzwords actually mean something. Yeah, and I think to start with, let's go into, you mentioned HPE Nimble Storage. Is that specifically what InfoSight is designed to work with, or does it tie with under vendors? Kind of define the scope and the boundary of what products InfoSight is meant to integrate with. That is where our legacy lies. We built this product to bring really an unrivaled value into storage. So storage is something that it's been fairly difficult to differentiate a lot of true value on paper for a long time in the industry. So one of the key things that we've learned early on with our Nimble Storage product is that by driving machine learning and AI, we can drastically change the customer's experience in managing storage. And so this is really where the history comes from. But as you might imagine, with the success that we've had within our Nimble Storage product, we are eagerly looking to how we can drive additional value and similar value in the rest of our product portfolio. Yeah, yeah. And I remember maybe three, four, five years ago, whatever it was, I was at a a tech field day where Nimble Storage was presenting and we all got wowed when uh, InfoSight was presented to us. And honestly, for those listening, it was really cool, beyond cool. But it was it was interesting because it was pulling in all this data that I, I think like a lot of people had the data on the storage array, but weren't really doing anything with it. And I thought it was a really great way to kind of activate all that metadata within the storage system. So I'm definitely interested in going deeper. I'll, I'll hand it off to Ethan. I know he's itching to ask a question, though. I can I can feel his vibe <laughs> in the aura of the Ethernet. Well, Ryan, what popped in my head as you were talking a second ago is, is the accent on storage. Yes, um, in, in nimble storage and that background. But as I was reading through a lot of literature, it seemed like InfoSight does cover other parts of the IT stack too. So is it really just storage and the other stuff is aspirational or are there other things that InfoSight, other parts of the IT stack that InfoSight knows about as well? You bet. So there's a couple of key aspects to InfoSight. So Traditionally, we've spent an awful lot of time talking about the customer value in InfoSight, and that's absolutely in the tool and the way that we expose what we mine out of the data learning and give back to the customer as a value add or a product. But there's also an awful lot of benefit on the back end to HPE, and this is how we leverage it to become smarter and learn and incrementally get a little bit better every five minutes when we we pull in from our, our cloud of connected devices 
And so we're leveraging this piece to get smarter quickly. So today we've actually launched this on three part. And when I say today, we brought this out in January and we've done sort of a rolling launch for any of our customers who are phone home customers today. So their data is going into the HPE cloud. We're actually leveraging the capability of InfoSight to start turning out the customer benefit portion that I was talking about. So absolutely, we've got we've got big aspirations for bringing this to our other product lines. I think we've been pretty clear in the, in the idea that when we acquired this technology, it was not something that we wanted to simply leave with Nimble, but we want to leverage this to sort of take where, where I see us going. And that's really to become a data analytics organization. So, okay. So again, but storage and then maybe virtualization and other elements like that, or, or will the data analytics be storage, remain storage focused? No, our, our intent is much more grand than that. So we, you know, imagine we're doing this on storage today and we've had a spectacular result. It's actually helped catapult us to top right of Gartner's stack, which is great. But we have visions of taking this much further. So, you know, we talk about the scale that we've introduced with storage and imagine what we can do is we now bring it into the most popular compute platform in our ProLiant servers and networking. And so the benefit here is how we're connecting customers with this value is absolutely scalable to other technologies. And what we drive out of here is simply the intricacies in machine learning to help people understand when something is going right or could be optimized before it becomes an incident for them. Okay, so we've started with storage and we're doing analytics on storage data today, but then that whole methodology is over time then going to be incorporated in other parts of the HPE product line. Absolutely. Yeah, okay. Well, I want to drill back into something you're talking about, Ryan, with uh, the launch with 3PAR. And certainly, you know, when I think HPE nimble storage, I'm remembering the days of learning about Casel and the architecture around it and potentially all flash, hybrid flash, all that kind of jazz. Definitely a very different beast from when I think of 3PAR, which was an amazing acquisition and certainly something top of mind when someone pitches HPE storage, I think 3PAR because it's kind of the flagship product. So obviously very different products, very different histories. How does InfoSight kind of handle the differences? Because I'm imagining it either does or does not support them in the same way or different analytics. Divide that up mentally for me as to, as to how it addresses those two different platforms. Perfect. And, and that's just it. You've sort of hit the nail on the head there. The three par is extremely strong from an OS perspective in logging and rich data intelligence. And we've had the capability for a long time to help customers reactively analyze what's happening in these logs. So the three par has rich telemetry baked into the OS. The difference now is we can take the intelligence on a three par, which largely went unused previously until an event happened. And we can now take that in line and we ingest that into our cloud and we run the InfoSight machine learning and analytics against that sensor data to actually drive results in stream. So we, we really try trying. We are actively transferring that conversation from reactive into proactive. As we see things happening and we've seen them happen before, we can actively introduce a positive or a more optimized result. Ryan, another thing you mentioned here, machine learning and artificial intelligence, and we've heard so much of that from the industry lately. Everybody's jumping on it, particularly the ML bandwagon, less the AI so much, but okay, we've washed all, <laughs> all the marketing literature has been washed with ML and AI. So explain to me in InfoSight why that is real, a legit claim that you're using machine learning and artificial intelligence in your analytics. Right. 
And so this is the key piece because AI, machine learning, this isn't an application. It is, you know, I like to call it knowledge, right? So this is not something that you can simply write some code for and off you go. It really comes from perpetual and repeated analysis of similar data sets. So we look at the same data over and over again. And what we learn as we analyze the information repeatedly is when we see certain things happening, what sort of a result can we expect? And so the gap here and why I think InfoSight has been met with such uh, such success is the history that we have in what we've done with Nimble Storage. So we've got the better part of a decade of maturity, which is really the gap in what you're talking about. Everyone is talking about how AI, machine learning, is going to change the way we manage data in the future. And this is very real because you need that, that history to develop wisdom. This 10-year maturity that HPE is working on with Nimble's legacy is specifically how we today have a product that we can talk to customers about changing their results. So machine learning, AI, data scientists that are on staff with HPE, which is key, because the next piece of this conversation is the value in machine learning is specific. It's not general in the way we talk about technology in, you know, over a storage industry or over a networking mechanism, but it's highly specific to the products that we're driving the value in. So knowing your product better than the competition knows theirs is a key piece to how we drive this, this value in machine learning. Let's expand on that. What kind of things do you know or are you digging into that can provide some insights? Because I think, honestly, when I think of typical storage monitoring, it's, you know, how full is a LUN? You know, how much IO is being served from this particular HBA? Like very kind of tactical things. Is it that kind of layer? Does it go deeper? Kind of what's the data set look like? Absolutely. So when we talk about the level of intelligence that we have in our products, we analyze today in, uh, you know, let's talk about our Nimble Storage platform for a second. We analyze over 20,000 sensors every five minutes for every single one of the 28,000 connected devices. And that's pretty impressive. And what this comes into is just millions and millions of input over and over and over again. So the depth that where this is at is obviously at hardware. So we're talking to hardware sensors and what's happening physically within the environment. But just as important, we understand and are monitoring our environment out of software code. So we have specific sensors built in to the operating stack that allow us to understand not just what's happening physically, but what types of data are being input. So I give you an example here. We, we might look at an environment and say, you know what, based on the block size of what's happening here, we can see the potential to introduce an optimization for how data is being ingested into the storage set. And so the capabilities stretch far beyond simple alerting from a physical capability because of the way the product was engineered. And I think that's another key piece here is the solution can't simply have AI bolted on as an afterthought. It has to be designed from the ground up. And that is inherently what was done differently within the Nimble Storage platform is that the intelligence of AI was built with sensor code directly into the base operating system. And as you mentioned, is inherently designed right into the intelligence like Castle and what's happening at that Nimble OS. Huh. Okay. So kind of like, hey, this query takes a long time within the code itself, you know, or... You know, something that has to do is taking a while or it could be more efficient. Like you're, you're looking at metrics. That's deep stuff, man. <laughs> like, I don't, how, how does that even happen? You know, like what's the, I can't even, I can't even quite grok how you, how you process that and then make pivots. You know, it's not, it's not rewriting the code based on performance, is it? It's just telling you like, hey, you should rewrite the code based on what you're seeing, something like that, right? 
Absolutely. So a lot of it is interesting things that happen that are then analyzed. So often a lot of the value comes out and, you know, I use the analogy of an antivirus signature. So something happens and it might be something that wasn't a positive experience, but by seeing that happen once, we can go back and look at the sensor points. And because we monitor from moment of birth on an array and continuously retain that data, we have the capability to go back in time and look at what was happening. So even if there was a poor experience somewhere, the outage that happened in Singapore makes a storage array in Boston instantly more available. A performance problem that was perhaps happening in Canada can then be leveraged by systems perhaps in Germany. And this whole concept of community or bringing together a series of unique experiences and bringing that into that that community of common benefit is really what we're driving out of this cloud analytics platform. Now, you've said sensors several times here. Now, what do we mean by that? Is that just a generic term for a, a way to gather data like SNMP or Syslog, or maybe there's a software agent, or, or is it something else in InfoSight parlance? So we, we do use the term generically in the sense that these are monitors. So we're monitoring sense code within the machines. We're monitoring physical aspects. But we do use that term for the data collection entities within the arrays themselves. Okay. And, and are they then something proprietary and magical to InfoSight and the HPE storage world? Or are they collection points that we'd be familiar with? Absolutely. And I think that is a key piece of the value here is these are proprietary benefits that were designed when the array was built. And so it's not something uh, okay. that you can simply bolt on. Uh, and you know, I use the concept, you can't simply design an application to drive AI after the fact. It has to be part of the initial makeup of how the solution was built from the beginning. And so absolutely, proprietary monitors that allow us to use very deep understanding of what is happening on the hardware and within the operating environment to bring those benefits to the customer. Let's talk about how this is onboarded into the customer environment, kind of how it works from a collection perspective. So I guess to start things off, how is it collected? How how is all the sensor data collected and then shipped to this cloud environment? Uh, For example, do I have to set up a virtual machine collection agent or a server endpoint or, you know, kind of what's, what's the, if you could walk me through kind of the operational steps to get this in my environment, that'd be helpful. You bet. Great question. So what we do within the platform is collect the data and store it for those monitoring, those monitoring intervals. So within each array, there is the capability to open what, you know, what we've traditionally called a phone home communication with the mothership. And so we open secure SSL encrypted communication back to Nimble support and into HPE support with the InfoSight on uh, on the 3PAR. And we send encrypted data about the machine sense code. So what's happening in the environment is put together in this encrypted channel and sent back and then analyzed on the centralized InfoSight processing systems in the cloud. Got it. There's no number crunching going on locally. It's literally, here's we'll say sanitized data on performance and sensor data and whatnot, and then it's packaged and sent over securely to the cloud for doing the crunching. Is something sent back to me beyond just an acknowledgement that it was received? Or is that just the updates and the firmware and the new, the new code that you get by doing the analysis from the cloud environment? So both of, if there is interesting things that we see, and I say interesting, if there's things that are triggering the machine learning or the data science components that we're talking about, 
we will have support reach out instantaneously. So if we see uh, something manifesting in an environment, it automatically sets off flags saying, hey, something's going on here and we need to connect a support individual. But what we actually see out of this is InfoSight has gotten so smart and knows the product it's managing so well that we see about 90% of the cases automatically caught by InfoSight. And so we see a 90% avoidance in our support channel of these support cases, and we're getting pretty close to 100% of those 90% of cases solved automatically by the InfoSight platform. So yes to your question, but it's become much more autonomous in that regard. So a privacy question, because we're processing in the cloud with my data from my array, it's in my data center. So how is data kept private? How do we meet privacy and compliance concerns for organizations that have compliance issues? Right. And that's, that's of course, at the top of anybody's mind whenever we talk about connecting these into or taking data realistically from internal uh, company networks outside So first and foremost, it's absolutely opt-in. For all of our customers, they have to choose to send their data. And there are some customers for various reasons that they cannot send even sanitized machine data outside. And, And, you know, there's still value without that. But obviously, the customers who can share this information gain the best customer experience. So they open secure channels to allow the array to communicate back to our cloud-based analytics And within here, it is just that. It's machine code. It is sanitized information. It's not LUN names and uh, and, and, and perhaps detailed data about the array. Nothing from the data plane. Stuff like, no, don't share that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. Nothing from the data plane is being shared with the backend systems. It's simply information about what's happening on the array in the environment that we can then, of course, actively interpret or provide value back to the customer on. Yeah, I think the emphasis here is on providing proactive insights, not reactive. You know, and that's, that's insights, feedback, analytics, all that jazz on a proactive manner around what the storage metrics are and in the future other stacks. That's pretty critical. Uh, it also makes sense in my mind to start with storage because being a virtualization engineer and working in the data center for years, like that's typically when we're looking at workload performance and like how things are going from a, is it fun and happy or is it sad and angry? You know, it's, it's typically storage and there's com- a lot of complexity. It tends to be kind of black box in a lot of cases. So being able to really understand what's going on and be proactive and reactive around that makes sense to me. What about you, Ethan? We've done a few shows, Chris, about uh, machine learning. And one of the things we've picked up from that is you need a good set of training data so that your machine learning algorithm is doing something useful. It takes a long time to train great inferences. More data is better. And one of the things that InfoSight has on its side in its favor is all of this community aggregated data that they've been gathering for years and years and years now. That's given them uh, a, a great deal of value in their ML algorithms and in the AI that then they apply to that data. That made it all feel real to me. So Ryan, I actually have learned quite a bit about InfoSight that I didn't know. It's evolved quite a bit since the last time I was kind of putting my hands on a, a nimble storage array. I want to then transition the conversation to more around, okay, I've got nimble storage array. I've got an HPE three-par array. Great. What's the value prop that InfoSight's bring into my environment? And I think the first thing that I'm thinking about is something that you brought up 
we're talking about the community where you have all this data kind of fed into this global set of, I don't know, good data that can be used for predictive analysis. I think the the counterpoint or the devil's advocate, if you will, to that is, you know, my business is a special delicate snowflake, right? There's things that make me unique and individual that potentially don't apply to a global data set. So wouldn't there be just a data set necessary for my IT or is this kind of a, a false premise to to operate under? Well, yeah, I think the key piece here is at the end of the day, we're all operating on ones and zeros. So there is an absolute inherent ability for us to see things happening at a binary level, at the most atomic layer, and introduce value. Concepts like, you know what, when we've seen a 64, 64, 64, 64 K block sequential stream, we know that we're doing a big sequential write. And very quickly, based on that, we've looked at how the array behaves. And, you know, perhaps we sidestep caching because we don't want to dirty active cache hits with a large sequential write. And so it's things like that that are not data specific. We don't need to know if it's Oracle or MySQL or, you know, what that backend environment might be because we know, in essence, when we see these large sequential stripes happening, we can positively influence at a binary layer, which is irrespective of the actual application itself, that environment. And it's these types of things where there's commonality amongst all verticals, amongst all types of customers, virtually all types of data. Hmm. So unless I'm unless I'm just going crazy and doing a bunch of hammer DB activities and just trying to throw the thing off, I think the the net result there is that there probably are more common data points across the enterprise and across companies than there are differences. Because you know, I think a relational database is a relational database, right? They're not they're not overly different from one vendor to the next from a data stream perspective. Although I might be simplifying it a little bit, but I think at a high level, I suppose people can agree to that. So then what you're saying here is that InfoSight is able to look at the data streams, the block sizes, what the ingest is, potentially even I would imagine like the pathing and, and which, which HBA is active or ISCSI initiator is active and kind of handle that across without even having to know about the application profile and what it's particularly trying to do. Is that a correct assumption? Absolutely. And I think the capability to provide value across the spectrum is pretty simple. When you talk about hardware, we're all running, in this case, you know, we're all running HPE storage, and we're all connected to storage networks, whether they're iSCSI and Fiber Channel. And those sort of generic benefits, you know, it's pretty easy to see how we can help all customers. I really love the idea, though, of how when we, or we can dive deeply down into data intelligence and understand at a block layer what's happening within a data stream and improve that. I think that sort of speaks to the complexity. Hmm. Are there points where either you are or plan to make InfoSight a little more cognizant around what's happening? Meaning this isn't just data being transferred for a mindless application. I'm not just looking at the data stream. I now know that, oh, I'm talking to a MySQL application and it's located over here. And like kind of to expand the metadata to understand where the source is, is coming from rather than just kind of watching the stream and only knowing the storage side of things. So yes, and you know, at a most base layer, absolutely. And <laughs> this is probably, you know, maybe a good way to talk about this is we get smarter every five minutes. And we talked about this a little bit earlier about how we use this to make things more resilient and more robust and secure. This is also evidenced. And as we learn more about data and as we learn more about how we write to the environment, we can positively impact the overall performance quite literally, simply by learning or by putting in 
the changes to the environment based on what we see. And this has actually been evidenced in release over release of array firmware. We bake in what we're learning about data science right back into the code. And Nimble sees benefits here where we get 10, 15, 20% performance improvements simply by updating the firmware on the array because we've now learned how to write smarter, write more efficient, and do things more effectively. I keep reflecting on the amount of time it took to get to that point and the, just the value that's found in having having the history. Okay, Ryan, let me move on to another question here. Now, let's say I've got different tiers of storage. Some of it's pricey and fast. Some of it is not. Does Infosight differentiate between those tiers? No. So within the conversations today, we talk about uh, we, we talk about hybrid flash storage on the Nimble platform. We talk about hybrid SaaS and Flash on our three par. All of it's data agnostic. So there's certain things and you know in, in pieces that we need to abide by based on the storage tier itself. But our arrays that we're talking about today are completely storage agnostic. And quite frankly, we separate the performance aspect from the disk itself. You know, it's pretty easy to see on the Nimble platform specifically how when we're talking about generating over a quarter million IOPS from 21 7200 RPM spinning disks, that we're doing something special that is not related to hardware itself. And this is really where the value is being driven. So Ryan, what you're saying there is InfoSight isn't isn't key to help me get my data positioned on the right speed of disk because the nature of the storage platforms that it's working with, that's kind of a non-issue. Absolutely. The, the intelligence is there to make sure that we learn how to interact with the data. And, you know, we, we learn this over time. But the capability, we really use what we're learning in InfoSight to bake new intelligence and drive new value and, of course, release things like firmware updates and new features. And as we learn more about data, we get smarter and bake that right down into the hardware itself, which is the right place to make the decisions like where should a piece of data be stored within the array, things like that. Let's go to a more, I guess, mundane problem around capacity planning and performance planning and just kind of understanding when someone needs, quote unquote, more, you know, like I need more storage, any more IOPS, you know, I'm, I'm constrained on capacity or performance or something like that. How does InfoSight potentially help me with that? Because sometimes it's, okay, you're just overloading this array. You need to relocate your workloads to a different environment. Sometimes it's around, you know, the way that the array is constructed or the way that the workload's constructed. Can InfoSight kind of tell me when I need more, when the, the runway needs to be extended, and potentially what I can do to more, op, you know, to streamline and optimize my environment from a workload perspective? Yes, right. The and this is so. This is a big piece of the value proposition that we're talking about. And again, this hones in on. I truly believe we understand our hardware better than the competition. So the complexity here is not simply what defines busy or what defines full, right? Because if we looked at any one of our existing storage arrays that were not enabled with InfoSight, when it's at eighty percent full, it's going to be saying, "Hey, you know what? Orange light transitioning to red. We need to make a change here." The challenge is in understanding what happens at all layers of the of the growth cycle within it. So we leverage Monte Carlo simulations. We leverage auto regression to understand not just where is the array today, but what are the possible permutations or changes that could happen based on what that array has done since moment of birth. I use a quick example. 
if you spilled a glass of water on the desk here this afternoon, we would be able to predict with absolute certainty the probability of which direction the water is going to run. So I've got a customer, and when they hit 23%, the alarms are going off that, you know, the sky is falling in, capacity is becoming a really big problem. And InfoSight has become smart enough for this specific customer workload to see that they're a DevOps customer and they check all the boxes and cool stuff to talk about. And as they're ramping up their container build, we see that. And we don't just see what they're doing today, but we see yesterday and the day before. And the truth is they were at 18 in the last rebuild cycle and they were at 14% in the one before that. So the fact that we see them at 23, which in the average array conversation would be, you know, things are rosy and things are looking good. At 23%, based on what we've seen them do in previous iterations, we know that when that DevOps cycle finishes, they will have built up and drastically exceeded the capacity of the array. So we're leveraging simulations to extrapolate not only where are they and, you know, two dots between yesterday and tomorrow, but what are all the different ups and downs and the different complexities that we can understand to actually make a prediction, not only is 23% a good number, and in this case, it's a really, really scary number for this customer, but what is the day that they're going to run out of storage? So in virtually every single capacity conversation, a nimble array inside an info site and a three-par array is telling customers, you are going to run out of storage in exactly 125 days, which is a pretty neat thing to advance a conversation about budgeting and change within a data center. Yeah, because people always, it's always funny because most tools are like, you have 27 terabytes left over. You know, that's all you get. It's like, okay, okay what does that right. mean? Is that good yeah. or bad? And my <laughs> boss, you know, when I was on the customer side, he's like, I don't understand this nerd stuff. Just how many days until I got to buy something, you know, because we're, we're trying to work backwards from the six-month PO process with procurement. And so it was always just like, I need to know six months ahead of time, like when I need more stuff. And so anytime I think you can boil it down to days, which is literally the common ground that anyone across business or technology can speak, it's a bonus. Right. And we've done a really strong job of making the inherent complexities in empirical storage performance analysis simple for the average uh, the average generalist inside of a customer data center. So we've got great dashboards. We One is our executive dashboard, and it spits out really pretty graphs for that business decision maker that you need to be able to, to demonstrate what's happening that tells exactly, you know, what are you consuming, but then goes into explicit detail for what's happening in the environment, when do you expect to have to make your next investment, and even more importantly, what is that specific investment? So, you know, things got busy on Tuesday, and if that was a business problem, if users experienced a poor application service time, if people were not able to connect in that way, and, you know, that was a business problem, we'll tell you right here, this bump in the performance line that happened on Tuesday, here's the specific component that you should integrate into your environment to make sure that never happens again. So we've really boiled down all the complexities in performance analysis to a dashboard that you can do on demand at any time or have mailed to that manager for you so that you know what's happening, what are we going to do next, and what's the specific component that would solve uh, the next growth question if, in fact, we're noticing uh, you know, business problems, application latency, these types of things. We see that you like high performance. You might also like... <laughs> That's <laughs> an Amazon recommends. Uh, I was digging through the literature on uh, on this product on InfoSight, and one of the the 
big points that got hammered home was preventing outages, maintaining uptimes. But the reality is that sometimes hardware breaks. You can lose a drive. You can lose a controller. A lot of bad things can happen. So when something really goes bad, it's, it's broken. It's not an optimization problem. It's, it's a hardware is broken. How does InfoSight help me at that point? Right. So the truth of the matter, as we said, is we see about 90% of the things happening before they occur. And we've almost got to a point where we're smart enough to solve 100% of that. We're actually at 86% of cases are automatically solved by InfoSight on the customer's behalf. So before you go in, now seeing things up to 90% before they occur, in other words, predicting that this hard drive is going to fail, those sorts of things? Absolutely. So predicting things before they happen or seeing things as they're manifesting and catching them. Like there is an application which is ramping up and consuming an awful lot of IO and we see it actually introducing a bottleneck with other applications in the environment and sending out a message uh, directly to the end user to say, we need to deploy a QoS policy right now to make sure that this new workload that's ramping up doesn't impact your existing workloads. And so real-time recommendations, we're obviously not simply trying to trying to fix problems, we're trying to prevent the problems from ever happening. And so that's 90% of the cases. So what we're talking about when we talk about a user's support experience is realistically the 10% that InfoSight didn't catch up front. And what's impressive about that number is that actually includes calls for requests for professional services. But the neat piece here, we talked earlier on about the concept that InfoSight is, it's definitely a product for customers, but it's equally so a tool for HPE support. So 90% of the time we don't pick up the phone because InfoSight's handling that job for us, which means that we put customers in that rare event they need to reach out, we put them directly through to level three in less than a minute because the resources aren't bogged down with the typical things that we could have solved with InfoSight. Within this, we also have the capability of leveraging the past experiences to help customers out. So the the customers, you know, when you ever have a difficult support conversation, and I say this generically with where I've been throughout my career, customers always talk about the fact, you know, if you could have just put me through to the guy who had seen the problem or who's seen the problem before, he could help me solve that now. And that, that really is the benefit here. Because we have been monitoring the array and we've got a snapshot of it from last night, we've got all of the logs, we've got the performance information, uh, and you know what? We've got it from the night before and the night before that. So that first iteration, you know, have we seen it before? Absolutely. It's logged and we presented that to the customer. And even more importantly, when things aren't going right, when we've got that day when something's gone wrong, the interaction between support and the end user of having to upload logs and all those things that really slow down that time to resolution are completely removed within this InfoSight conversation. At the top of this section, Chris, we talked about uh, snowflakes, special snowflakes, and how can a global data set help me if my special snowflake business is just so different from everybody else's? But in fact, we, what we really drilled into there was really we're more alike than different, and uh, it's kind of time to melt the snowflake and get over the snowflake mentality. I was compelled by, uh, again, that community aggregation of data bringing us to a place where their algorithms and the way they've tuned them can predict what's going to break before it breaks. 
I think you should use that voice in all future Data Not shows, but uh, those were good points. And I was thinking that there's an interesting amount of data held within the components of the storage array that can be used to determine when failure occurs or will occur. And it's really good to see that used because typically it's just like, ah, red light, green light. But this is, you know, there's sensors, there's a lot of metadata being captured. There's a lot of potential crunching that can be done to the data to figure out what I'm kind of thinking of as the true health of something versus just, hey, is it good or bad? Well, Ryan, let's talk about some of the impact to operational teams if they're running InfoSight. And some of that we've got into, but I've still got some more questions here. One is white papers love stats. And I saw this stat recur several times in the InfoSight literature that InfoSight lowers operational costs by 79%. Well, okay, let's make that tangible. How does InfoSight change how an IT infrastructure team operates, helping reduce expense to the business? Right. So a first piece I think that we want to want to sort of hone in on is the simplicity that InfoSight introduces in arguably very, very complex environments. So within InfoSight, we look at not just storage, but we look at the larger environment. We're looking at the networking, we're looking at hosts and hypervisors and virtual machines right into VMDKs and in some cases even the applications themselves. And we bring a single pane of glass that radically changes the time to resolution for problems. So right off the hop, when we talk about the challenges in the average day of a storage admin or or even more perhaps at, at issue is a generalist who is the VMware networking server and storage guy all baked into one, we radically change the amount of time that they spend chasing down issues. And we do this in how we expose the value of the environment. So we give them performance statistics across everything. And when you log into InfoSight, you know, across everything, that's a big term. We give correlated information for what's happening on the array. And we log that through the virtualization layers and server layers. So right on the on minute one, that individual knows if they're going to have a day that involves troubleshooting storage problems, or they're going to move on and do something else. So we take a lot of that confusion from not just storage, but the overall environment around the storage and we drastically simplify that for the end user. So that's a big piece of it. Okay, so I wanted to, to dig into that a bit. So you mentioned hypervisors. You mentioned as deep as a VMDK, uh, a specific uh, VMs that are running and so on. Does that mean you know the storage path right all the way out to the virtualization layer through to the array? And is, is that what you're getting at with a single pane of glass that I can look and I can see, okay – this application that runs inside of this virtual machine on this hypervisor host is going to be impacted because of whatever this challenge is that's going on with an array? Absolutely. And that is the aha moment when a customer sees a demo on InfoSight and we dive right down into a virtual machine and we can show them which VMDK and where the application is that's causing a specific problem, their eyes open up because you know they probably don't have a tool to manage storage. They probably don't have a tool to manage servers and virtualization and the entire stack. And realistically, they really, if they don't have that, they definitely don't have a tool that lines it all up into one view, never leaving the storage console. And it gives them detailed information for not just, you know, what's happening, how busy are things, but we draw a graph and we call it a factor. And inside of this graph, we show the performance, the latency, what's happening, and we color code the portions of that performance and latency to where they're being introduced. So if you're having a result that says, you know, 
I've got three or four or five or more milliseconds of latency, we'll tell you what percentage of that latency is owned by the storage, by the networking, by the hosts. And it really gives people the capability to move on quickly and interject a real benefit in time to resolution on these types of things. Again, is it a storage problem today or am I going to go look at how I've configured uh, VMware and maybe we need to change something there? But it, no, it's, it's always a network issue, though. I mean, like, there's, <laughs> like the graph is always colored with the uh, network portion. Stop. Right? So, uh, uh, painful. so you mentioned uh, virtualization and VMware, Ryan. What about uh, containers? Is there a roadmap for container support? Absolutely. We've got some strong capability here. We've got drivers and plugins directly to Docker. So as customers shift workloads and as data centers change from virtual machine to container-based, They've got a really strong option while leveraging the benefit of InfoSight and HPE storage. How do you get that information to non-storage folks? Because I know you talked about that it's uh, the InfoSight information is in the storage console. Can I also share that out to other members of the team while at the same time not giving them kind of the authority to blow up volumes and things like that? Absolutely. We do have the capability for full role-based access within the environment. So we can expose things like the performance management uh, or detailed information about how storage is being consumed within the environment. And of course, we also have the capability to take the detailed reports and data sheets that are created and email those off to people who may be interested uh, based on how the environment's being consumed. Let's talk about something I read on InfoSight uh, where I keep seeing this reoccurring use of self-improving infrastructure with talks about six nines of availability being guaranteed. Can you talk about that? And really, like, what does that really mean for me as a customer? Right. So this hones in on this idea that I really feel that we understand our hardware better than the competition does. So the truth of the matter is, is, you know, we've got an array. It has hard drives in it and processors and controllers. And we're using a lot of things that today people would argue are pretty commodity. And, you know, I'd probably agree for the most part here in when we talk about the base hardware configuration. But because of what we've learned through this history and this knowledge of 10 years of monitoring at this atomic layer in storage, what's happening in the environment, we've learned an awful lot about when these three things happening, what event is on the horizon. So to your point, we've introduced six nines of financially supported availability, the entire product set, uh, specifically within our Nimble storage platform. So the three-part product, which is our obviously our mission-critical enterprise platform, we've done this for a long time, and that's good. But what's really neat on the Nimble storage platform is we support this on arguably a much more modest footprint than the rest of the market would. We start quite small in the Nimble environment, and of course, scale to high enterprise but we support this six nines of availability even on our entry-level storage platform. And then InfoSight's kind of giving you the proof in the pudding to say, well, we, we're pulling all this call home data that's now the InfoSight data across all of the platforms that are deployed in the customer's space or you know your space for those listening. And you could just say, here we go. It's, you know, this is the amount of downtime aggregated across that. So that makes sense. Although I normally wear my tinfoil hat. It's quite sporty. I got it from a, a high-end design store. <laughs> and uh, I, want to t- I, want, I want to continue wearing it, but maybe take it off. Because I'm thinking, all right, obviously what you're proposing requires giving some level of control of my infrastructure over to InfoSight and the AI and ML kind of behind it to make decisions and you know, potentially in the future, maybe even moving things around, you know, dynamically changing things. I, I don't know what the future holds, but where do you feel like 
we can take our hands off the wheel a little bit, let the AI kind of do its thing. And also what's the demarcation point? Where do I, as the operator kind of, you know, end and where does the AI begin? And so, you know, we're, we're ready to do that now. And when I say ready, we have the intelligence to see problems or performance or the capability for optimization manifesting in real time on the array. And we are now toying with these concepts of dynamic performance improvement, dynamic QoS policies. And so we're exposing that through our our next generation of features within InfoSight. And this is something that was launched back around the turn of the calendar year. And we expect very soon to be able to actually turn that on for customers to dynamically in real time impact that. But yeah, to your point, we haven't quite turned on Skynet yet. But we do have this capability where the machine is smart enough to tell us what's happening and what needs to be done. Well, Ryan, thank you very much for joining us today and giving us a good solid look at what InfoSight is doing in the HPE world. Uh, a lot of a lot of good stuff there. Now, there's always more to know. Where can folks go to find out more information about InfoSight? So absolutely, come check us out on the web. Uh, you can go to www.hpe.com slash storage slash infosite and there's some great materials there in the way of data sheets and videos but this is something you really need to see so i would strongly encourage you know if you want to change your expectations of what a a computer company but really a data analytics company can do to drive value back in your environment uh, this is something you want to see so take a test drive come see a demo talk to our storage folks and our hybrid it folks about what HPE can do with machine learning and AI to improve the data environment and the average customer. And that is it for today's episode of the Data Knots podcast. Our very special thanks to HPE Nimble Storage for sponsoring today's show. Without our sponsors, we can't do what we do here at the Packet Pushers Network. And by the way, if you do head over to HPE and check out InfoSight, would you tell them you heard about it on the Data Knots podcast? That would help us. We would appreciate that. And for more of our Data Knots shows about infrastructure engineering, cannonball into the deep end of the pool that is packetpushers.net. You will find the Data Knots talking about storage architecture and cloud native automation, microservices, orchestration, career, and so much more. Until then, may your server lights blink, your AI make wise decisions, and your cables be cleanly managed. (laughs) 